On September 30th, we held the first ever Manitoba Podcast Festival at the Park Theatre. This is the audio from one of the panels that I moderated called Podcast vs. Radio. The panelists included Jared McKidiak of 101.5 UMFM, Kent Davies of 95.9 CKUW, and the Manitoba Food History Project, Adeline Bird of the Soul Unexpected Podcast and NCIFM, and Stefan Richard of the Ever Sick Podcast and NCIFM as well. A huge thanks goes out to everyone who attended the show. We're hoping to do a number of other podcast festival-related projects over the next year, and we're really glad that there's uh, a lot of interest and engagement from the local community. Thank you to everyone who supports my dad's show. If you'd like to support Witch Police Radio, go to patreon.com slash witchpolice today. You're listening to Garbage Hill, Winnipeg's first podcast network. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary, welcome to the uh, final podcast of the afternoon. This is Podcasting versus Radio. All of your panel members and uh, moderator work full-time in media, so if this is something that you want to chase, you want to pursue, you want to do this full-time, not look back, by all means, uh, learn, gather under the learning tree. We're going to drop some fruit on you. Um... So uh, let me introduce your first panelist. He's incredibly handsome. He's a former pro wrestler. He's a member of the Sagging First Nation, and uh, he hosts the Ever Sick Podcast, Digital Drum Podcast, and radio host on NCIFM. Give it up for Stephen Richard. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, no, actually, your, uh, your moderator is one of the founders of the Manitoba Podcast Festival. He was up here a little earlier with me, uh, Witch Police Radio, Sam Thompson. Thanks. Uh, I can't be that intro. The other, the, I feel bad for everyone else on the panel because their introductions are not going to be anywhere near as good as that. But uh, yeah, this is, um, okay, I'm going to sit down first before we do anything here. All right. Um, Radio versus podcast. Uh, it sounds kind of bad, radio versus podcast, because it sounds like there's some kind of uh, you know, a clash or some kind of antagonism between the two. But we kind of realize there's a lot in common between radio shows and podcasts. I, I mean, obviously, they're, they're audio programs, uh, whatever they're about. But uh, there's also a lot of resources in Winnipeg for people to get involved in campus community radio. So two of our uh, panelists on this panel are, uh, are or were or have been or still are heavily involved in the campus community radio scene. So I think first we'll bring out uh, Kent Davies, who is a uh, you know, well-known face and voice uh, from CKUW. And uh, Kent is involved in a lot of really cool things uh, outside of CKUW that we're going to talk about uh, in a minute. So welcome to Kent. And uh, just before we get to the next guest, I just want to say that uh, I think Kent gave me my first opportunity to be on the radio because he interviewed all of my terrible bands over the years on CKW, so I appreciate that. That is correct. <laughs> All right, uh, Jared's coming up next. Jared is the, uh, what, the station manager at uh, UMFM. 
So we have uh, you know both sides of the campus community uh, dial here. We didn't plan to dress alike, all right? <laughs> Leave it alone. It's plaid season. <laughs> and uh, yeah, UMFM has been an amazing resource for a lot of people who are interested in getting involved in, uh, oh, yeah. in radio yeah. or any kind of broadcasting. Um, some of the past panelists we've had in the previous panels have had shows on UMFM. Uh, my show gets aired on UMFM as well. And yeah, so we're happy to have Jared here. Woo! Clap, clap. Also, uh, Adeline is here. Adeline is going to join us in just a little bit. And she was here moderating the women's podcasting panel. And she will be joining us in a little bit. She, like, sh- like we mentioned, she's also host of uh, Indigenous Music Countdown on NCI and Sirius XM. Yeah, so she'll be here uh, hopefully soon. And we can uh, get her involved in the conversation as well. Yes. I feel very detached from the table. Last time I was right on the table beside everyone. But now I'm, I'm off in the distance. So hang on. Come here. Okay, so I, I guess the first thing is, um, uh, let's just start with Jared, because uh, you've been doing what you do at UMFM for a long a couple time. decades now, yeah. right? So, uh, I mean, couple I guess, decades? Isn't it a couple decades? Uh, it's got to be, at least, yeah, right? At least, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, for people who don't know what UMFM is, um, what is UMFM? I mean, it's a radio station, it's 101.5 FM, but it's all volunteer-driven, right? Yeah, like most campus and community radio stations it is predominantly volunteer driven uh we exist with uh two full-time staff two part-time staff but still put out radio sometimes great sometimes not so great uh 24 7 365 uh and have been doing it now for in this current incarnation 20 years uh we celebrated our current 20-year anniversary uh in september okay Cool. And uh, I, I, like, like we mentioned, it's volunteer-driven. I mean, all the people who are doing shows, they're not necessarily radio professionals, but a lot of them kind of, uh, I get the impression anyway, a lot of people use UMFM and CKW as sort of a springboard if they want to get into radio in more of a serious way, right? So what, what does a volunteer typically get access to? What can they do when they, when well, they have a show? Well, I mean, we provide our volunteers with the opportunity to be on the radio, uh, obviously, um, but then you've also got people who come through who want to be behind the scenes, want to learn how to do production, want to learn how to write copy, want to learn how to produce radio ads, public service announcements. Um, we're pretty blessed at the station. We've got a live recording studio, so we now offer uh, live band room training if people want to learn how to produce a live band off the floor. Um, but, I mean, mostly what we try and do is we provide knowledge for people who might want to get into radio or into the media, want to do interviews professionally uh, in a kinder, sort of softer medium. Right. Um, because it's not, it's not for everybody, right? And, and people come to us and they say, well, you know, I... I love music, I'd love to interview bands, and then you put a microphone in front of them and their favorite artist, and it doesn't work, right. or um, you know, they come to you after doing two or three interviews and say, yeah, it's not really for me. So we have the ability to sort of move and shift okay. and, and sort of cater to people's abilities and talents and interests, and, and they can kind of make up their own curriculum at the radio. Okay. And I mean, it's not just um, music shows. You have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of news programs. You've got a lot of, uh, you know, just, just general talk shows, all, all kinds of things. Um, what do you see as the, the main differences between, you know, someone starting a show on UMFM versus starting a podcast? Obviously, there's just the access to equipment. It's got to be a big... Uh 
It is a big difference, and I mean, obviously, with being on terrestrial radio, there is uh, some legalities. You have to follow CRTC regulations, whereas with the podcast, I've heard it described a couple of times here, it's like the Wild West, yeah. right? Anything goes. And with uh, being on UMFM, being on CKUW, being on NCI, there are specific rules that you do have to follow. So... You know, as we have gotten involved with podcasters like yourself, like Ashley from the Winnipeg Music Project. Gang, uh, gang, baby. And, and with some of the other podcasts from across North America that we now air as syndicated programming, we have to pay mind to some of those CRTC regulations right. and, and make sure that they conform to the style of, uh, of UMFM programming as well. Okay. I do, I do have more questions about UMFM, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Kent, you were also at Campus Community Radio for decades, probably. Is that accurate? Uh, Decade I and technically half? still am, Sam. I know, okay, <laughs> but you were the Peg City Groove, your, your, your main yeah, show. Yeah, I, no, I did, I did a show um, similar to uh, yours and Ashley's uh, interviewing bands every week. Um, for 12 years. Okay, not as long as Jared, but yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And yes, uh, recently we retired that, and now we're I'm like so I could focus on doing podcasts, but I still do amateur hours right. at CKW. Right. And I'm still on the board of directors at CKW. And you have two very interesting, uh, well, one main podcast that you're working on at the moment, right? Yeah. And so that's do you want to just talk about that because it's it's a very unusual oh. idea. It's uh, I've never it's really cool. Got. It involves a food truck, and I could probably talk about the food truck for another hour, but uh, we're not well, going to do that. But it's uh, it's a uh, it's called Preserves. It's a Manitoba food history podcast, and uh, basically we drive around uh, to different locations, and we have people come on the food truck and cook a meal and talk about their life story. We use uh, oral history, life story interviewing, so we get people to you know talk about their lives how they came up with this recipe, what it means to them, what they think about food. Um, we're examining, it's, again, it's an academic project. We have uh, grant funding through, the, um, through Shirk to uh, do this podcast, but it's not just a podcast. It's like the podcast is part of the project. Right. We're doing a lot of intensive research on um, Manitoba food and, like, the industry and, like, how, you know, like, certain long-term restaurants and like how they you know how they went through time periods and, okay. and uh, stuff like that there's like you know two main research questions are just you know how did how did some of the food uh, that we uh, that we eat and consume and make here in Manitoba how has that changed over time that's kind of what we're looking at uh, but it it's a whole host of parameters you don't have to be a restaurateur to uh, be on the program you just you know you need to consume food I think we all do that probably yeah, yeah. I hope so so um, and then what we do after, you know, doing countless interviews is we turn those into podcasts. And, like, it's, uh, you know, it's probably, you know, I would recommend not doing it the way I'm doing it because it's probably the most complex thing I think I've ever done in terms of media. Because it's not only we're condensing, uh, you know, research down to a podcast form. I'm also working with students on how to do this. Right. So I'm training students on do how to do podcasts. And they're helping me do the research, and we, it's a whole collaborative experience. As we talked about earlier in the, today about um, having, like, you know, doing a solo show and doing it collaboratively, uh, it takes on a whole other level when you basically have to work with student researchers on how to make a podcast, some of which have never heard of what that 
is yeah. what that term is. So it's a really interesting experience and uh, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. And especially the format that I'm using is not like, let's just sit down and have a conversation. Uh, we're, I'm doing it intensively with field recording, ambient music. It's in documentary style. So it takes a lot of editing and a lot of scripting and yeah, so... Anyway. So I guess what what freedoms do uh, does podcasting give you that you know a regular CKW show, for example, wouldn't? I mean, is it uh, well is what, it just the length of time you have to work on? Yeah. That? Well, what Jared said, I mean, um, also, obviously the broadcast act is not as a big of an issue, although overseeing this thing is a whole bunch of <laughs> ethics and right. rule boards for like you know academic um, side of things. But uh, really, it's the format of like you can make it long or short. Or, you know, you can, you can do basically anything you want with it in terms of time. It doesn't have to fit that kind of format that I'm used to doing a live, one-hour live interview show. So. Right. Yeah. And then I guess, uh, Stefan, you're Yo. a, a little bit... <laughs> that, was, that was loud. Sorry. Yeah. Booming. Um, you're in a little bit of a different position here because yes. you started as a podcaster. And uh, I'm waiting for another booming voice here. And you turned that into a career as a, as a broadcaster on, on terrestrial radio. Yes, Sam, that's correct. <laughs> um, so, I guess what, what are the main differences you see? I realize what you're doing on NCI is very different from what you're doing with Eversec and even with the Digital Drum podcast, but what are the main kind of differences you see as someone coming from the podcast world and now having to fit into the radio world, which is much stricter? Um, so, the biggest thing I noticed is the, all the technical stuff that I had to know coming into something like terrestrial radio, especially live terrestrial radio. A lot of stuff is... Um, voice tracked and played at a later time in certain stations and I am live every afternoon for five hours and I have the power of editing on a podcast. I don't have the power of editing on live radio. Right. <laughs> uh, technicalities, um, I don't, these guys are talking about like CRTC. Don't ever listen to my show. My show is trash and I make fun of people. Um, but I think at the same time, a lot of the things that I learned in podcasting really, really helped the ability to um, do a sponsor read, for example, it sounds simple and silly, but the cadence in your voice, the pacing in your voice, the breathing, all of that stuff uh, really, really helped once I got into live radio. Okay. Do you think that, well, like, would you encourage people to use podcasting as a springboard into radio as a career? I mean, it, yeah, you could, but at the same time, there's not a lot of radio stations that are looking for podcasters because of the DIY factor, because, oh, they're doing that fun thing in their basement, <laughs> be gone kind right. of thing. That's right. the attitude a lot of places have. I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. I interviewed, the, the, the way I got the Digital Drum Show, I interviewed the people at Digital Drum about the work they did, and then they came to me, and they said, well, we're doing a podcast, and we don't have anybody to host. Would you take this exorbitant amount of money and host <laughs> our podcast? <laughs> and I said, you... Bet your little ass I will. Right. And then and after... that's not a common situation that's going to happen. No, absolutely right? not. Yeah. It's not. And I, I think maybe... Um, I, I mentioned it very jokingly in my um, introduction is that I used to be a pro wrestler, so I kind of had this... Um, I don't want to say built-in audience because it's two very different worlds, but I had experience. People knew that I was involved in entertainment and knew I was, uh, had the capability to sell myself. So... I think that really helped in, in getting me to APTN and then to NCI, where I'm at right now. Cool. And I guess you have the, uh, obviously, the ability to perform in front of people, right? I mean, that's mm. essentially what... Yes. Whether it's people listening miles away from your basement or people listening on air or yeah. in front of a crowd, right? Yeah. And, like, 
you know, Jared and Kent can both tell you that, you know, there's, uh, like Jared was mentioning, if you put a microphone in front of somebody, it doesn't always translate. They could be really, really intelligent and intelligible. And then once they put the microphone in front of them, it doesn't always work. There's some kind of disconnect, whether it's the ability to perform, because even this, this is performing, I have to engage you and keep you listening to my voice. But at the same time, there are people who can do that naturally, and then you put a microphone, and it doesn't happen. And then opposite, like I'm a loner in real life. Like I don't, I have a very small social circle. I'm a dad, I guess. But um, at the same time, like I don't have the ability to perform in real life as well as I do when I'm in front of people, in front of a microphone. So it's really just dependent on someone's personality and their history and what the tools they have are. Looks like uh, our fourth panelist is here. Hello, no problem. You guys would have heard Adeline at the previous panel, and she's here to talk about radio and uh, everything else. Yay! Um, before I get to you, Adeline, I, I wanted to ask Jared something else, and Kent, I guess, um, about CKW and UMFM. Uh, is it, I think it's probably safe to assume that both of those stations are more open to podcasting than necessarily where Stefan's working is, right? I mean, there's a, is there an appetite for podcasts to be aired? I mean, as someone whose podcast is aired on UMFM, right? <laughs> Do you want to start or should I? Oh, I think you should start because I might have a different answer. <clears throat> okay, so I think that what you're finding is with bigger stations, whether they're commercial or more sort of grassroots stations like the one that Stefan works for, um, I think that you're moving towards kind of what uh, a couple of the panelists on on the, the uh, Women in Podcasting panel said, is that these stations are trying to reach a younger demographic. Podcasting is a big thing right now. Um, you want to try and reach a younger audience and you want to try and engage them where they live and, and sort of how they consume media. With UMFM, we, we have a system in place uh, for playing automation. It allows us to... Uh, give hosts the flexibility to come in to pre-record a show. We try and cater to students uh, first and foremost, right? And so student schedules, I don't know if anybody has ever worked with student volunteers or students on the whole. Uh, their availability changes on a dime. Um, so we like to be able to provide as much flexibility as possible. And so what we decided was if we can allow people to pre-record, then we can also pull in syndicated programming, things like podcasts. And so we started to look at things that our schedule didn't traditionally contain that we could use to augment our own programming. Okay. And so the one that I sort of think about is a podcast called Radio Lab, uh, which is kind of a yeah, it's well-known, well sure. well-known well yeah. thing. Uh, we were the first station in Canada to air that program, and I had to jump through some hoops, but I loved that show. I thought it was really cool. I thought the way that they presented their sort of commentary and, and discussion on all manner of different things uh, was really, really well done. It fit within a void that we had in our programming at that time, and it was just like, okay, so we can make this work. Um, then, as Winnipeg's podcast scene started to grow and sort of blow up, thanks in part to folks like like yourself, Sam, and, and uh, Devin, who was here before, yeah. it's just like, well, if we're pulling in shows 
that are podcasts that are originating from outside the city and our own community is starting to do this sort of stuff, why aren't we looking at pulling in this local content as well? I knew you from working on uh, the... (laughs) The, the, late lovely, great, yeah. the late great Winnipeg Scone Reggae Festival, yeah. rest in peace. And uh, so it was just like, you're doing something that is totally within our wheelhouse. You're speaking to local musicians, you're promoting the local scene, local community. How can we make this work? Right. And so we've, we've done similar things. Spoke to, spoke to Ashley as well, and uh, a few other local podcasters. And we're now at a point where on October 10th, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to launch our own podcast, our own first sort of born, bred, fully produced podcast uh, that's called Mino Don Goggin. Uh, it means the good voice. And yeah, I think me and Adeline are both guests on that. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. And shout out to our producer, uh, Alyssa Blackwolf-Kixon, who has done a phenomenal job on this. Uh, It's a podcast about reconciliation uh, across all sorts of different disciplines. She's gotten approximately 40 interviews from uh, Indigenous activists, scholars, artists, talking about different topics. And we're super excited because, you know, we're always going to be a radio station, but we're always looking for new and exciting ways to engage our audience in a way that works for them. Uh, it's the beauty of campus and community radio, and I think that Kent will probably agree that we can play sort of fast and loose with how we are presenting our content. Sure. And, you know, so this seems like a logical step, right? For sure, yeah, yeah. And I guess, uh, Adeline, since you, you came late, uh, we did kind of an introduction about what everyone's doing. And I know you've talked about, in the previous panel, you know, about your show a little bit, but you are similar to Stefan in the sense that you went from podcasting to, to radio. And so, and you also have a, a, a book yes. that came out as well. So I, I guess, can you just maybe go over sort of the process of how you went from doing your own show to then turning it into more of a job and more of an actual career on the radio? Well, a lot of it was consistency and, and just putting myself out there. Uh, so um, I, I think the, the host before IMC uh, had, had quit, I think. I'm not sure. I don't even know. I shouldn't say what happened because I don't know what happened. She's a musician. She left to do music. To do. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, just to clarify. Just, just a note. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so they, I guess, NCI at the time was looking for a host. So they, they were thinking, okay, well, who's out there? Who's out there d- doing this? And uh, MJ and David McLeod, shout out to both of them, were, were like, Adeline Bird. Right. So they, they called me and they said, hey, you want to come in for an audition? I was like, okay. So I showed up at the station. I thought I was going to be like auditioning with other people and so I was like when, it, when we went and did a practice run I said well where's where's, I, oh, where's all the other people and they're like you're the only one I was like oh okay I was chosen this is nice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just consistency um, back in 2016 I launched a book called Be Unapologetically You it's a self-love guide for women of color and that was during a time when you know just all the stuff on social media with police brutality and the constant seeing another missing and or murdered um, 
uh, indigenous youth, man, female. It just became really, really just exhausted. I still feel exhausted from it. And so I thought, okay, well, what is, what is the one thing that I had to find in my life? What is it that I had to find in my life in order to even just do what I'm doing? And that was self-love, like true, authentic self-love. So I decided to write a book called Be Unapologetically and just give the gift of self-love to some of the, the folks that listen to So Unexpected. Cool. And so you've kind of turned So Unexpected into like a multifaceted like media takeover here. Right? <laughs> you got the podcast, you got you on the radio regularly, you have the book. I mean, is that when you started out, did you expect any of this to happen? That- Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, I've also had, you know, the the privilege to be on Huffington Post like a tourist. Uh, I've been nominated for CBC's Future Leader. Uh, just lots of like really amazing, amazing things that I never. Honestly, I just wanted to create. I wanted to create. I'm I'm academically a social a social worker, and I I was working I was working in, in the mental health field, and I just felt like I was just going and going and going. All I wanted to do was just come home, go to bed, and do it again. Like I had no no drive or or. Um, zest for life and so I thought I reached out to to Roger and I was like let's start a web series and that's where it all it all began but uh, I know Ashley said you know that her her podcast like changed her life that's for me that's very real podcasting has changed my life in in such a way because honestly I thought I was just going to go to university buy a house buy a car get married have kids and that was it I never knew that there was this whole other other life right I did that. <laughs> but I know podcast too. <laughs> um, so I, I guess uh, back to Kent, uh, you know, the food, the food truck thing is super fascinating, the podcast you're doing. And it's a little, I mean, we've definitely focused here today in all three panels on podcasts, primarily interview podcasts. And that's, I think, because the people who are organizing the festival, <laughs> we do those kind of podcasts. And a lot of people we know within the community do those kind of podcasts. And I know, Kent, the food truck, you're still talking to people, you're recording conversations with them. But do you think that, like, and this really could be answered by any of you, I guess, at this point, podcasts the whole as a genre are wide open enough that you can do adventurous things like driving around a food truck and uh, talking to people about food? Yeah, but, I mean, it is something, like, you don't, like, right now I have, uh, I have basically a mobile studio. Like, right. I can, I can go basically anywhere. Um, um, I have, like, Hindenburg software, which I highly recommend to everybody. What's it called? Hindenburg. Hindenburg? Like the airship? Yeah, it sounds like a disaster. It does, sounds like the, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's actually one of the best uh, podcasting uh, sound software that you can possibly get. It does all your work for you. You can drag and drop stuff into it, and you get the correct loudness. Um, it'll mix it well. Uh, you know, anyway, I can talk shop about that forever. Um, but, it's, but it was important for me to be mobile and to be, you know, if we have to go places in this food truck that I could, you know, edit. Yeah. Um, while we're going, uh, I have a Zoom H6, uh, which has multi-channel, so we can, you know, mic up like multiple people. I have Zoom um, F1s, field recording kits. Right They're like amazing uh, because when we're cooking in the food truck, I had to figure this out because I'm like, well, like, I'm not gonna have a boom mic the whole time. Like, this is gonna be nuts. Like, you get splashback because you, know, you have yeah. to move every time. You know, like it's as big as this table, and you have to, oh, you know, like, you know. So the Zoom developed this product, uh, field recording um, Zoom F1s, that basically they're lapel mics with little packs. Okay. And you, you can just 
give that to somebody. We give them aprons. Uh, they put in the apron, they put the, the mic on. It's, it's super well quality, and then they can just walk around and be free to cook. And it, um, it will translate well, and it will sound great. And uh, then I utilize that. So. This sounds amazing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. sounds like a really cool I, idea. I mean, one thing I've done for uh, the research center that I belong to, the Oral History Center, and that has kind of, we've done some of these projects before, not, no, never this on this uh, scale. Uh, but I've done a lot of research in the technical side of things. So if anybody um, is interested in, you know, chatting that side of things, I, I would love to talk to you about it because... I do a lot of research in how to, you know, let's get the highest quality for the lowest amount of money you have to pay yeah. for. You know, I have to deal with budgets, and that's, you know, that's my main concern, really. So. Well, this is maybe is a question for any of you. I mean, all working in radio, uh, how, I, I guess, how, how has your experience been with, with, with the technical side of things in terms of just how much learning is there just being in front of a board, maybe for the first time, if you know, doing your podcast, you didn't have that. And for people who are wanting to podcast... Like, is there a benefit to getting into radio, whether it's just starting a show at UMFM or trying to pursue it as a career, just to get the technical knowledge of how, how to do that stuff? Because, I mean, like, for me, I hit a button, hit record, and there's my conversation. Yeah. But there's obviously a lot more that can be done. And, like, do you recommend, uh, Jared, maybe, uh, people to come to UMFM and learn that stuff, even if they're not necessarily going to radio, and they might want to use that for podcasting in future? Well, I mean, radio is always going to be my first love. Of course, yeah. Right? Um, but I also love podcasts, so I am constantly torn. It's a love of the sort of nostalgic versus the love of the new fancy toy. Um, but what we're finding is that you're getting more and more new students at the University of Manitoba who want to come in and want to volunteer, and we give them the whole rundown. These are the different sort of training paths that you have. And so right now we have three, possibly four, if you want to go into live band production. And we are getting more and more, more and more folks who come in and they'll look and they say, well, do you offer podcast training? Right. And it's just like, well, you could do a radio show, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're interested, you have an idea. But then we started to talk, talk amongst the staff and with our volunteer coordinator. And it's just like, well, we have all of the facilities. We have two really great production rooms. You have the ability to interview people via the telephone. So sure. I think like the, the, the technical side on, on my part, I wouldn't need it if I was going to podcasting um, just because I do live radio and there's a lot of things that go into live radio. I, even since I was a little kid, I've had the art of bullshit. I don't know if anybody else has that. Or it's a must for radio. It's a must for radio. <laughs> like I know how to sell things to people really quickly and sell myself yeah. and hustle people uh, in a good way. In a good way. But um, I've always been like a fast talker. I, I know how to read people. I, I have had that my whole life. So when I came into radio, that part wasn't the hard part. It was the technical side. It was uh, hitting the right buttons at the right times to, you know, levels, things like the software, things like that. But mm. in terms of um, if I were to go from podcasting to radio or if I didn't have any interest in radio, I wouldn't need any of the stuff. Unless I wanted to really heavily produce something, yeah. Yeah. then I wouldn't need it. And so what we're finding is that we're able to offer the same sort of training to people who just want a podcast. And, I mean, it, it helps with uh, engaging a whole other swath of students who want to come in, want to get involved. We've got the facilities, and uh, one of our big things is we want people to use them. 
we yeah. want people to do cool things with it. So I, I do want to say that like um, it's it's really it, it depends on volunteers. Like we offer workshops, a whole variety of different topics. It's them taking advantage of those workshops yeah. because you know like twice a year we'd have Iris Uday come in and do like an identity workshop for a podcast identity and marketing and branding of your particular show. And that, that's an invaluable kind of um, component that goes into any kind of storytelling or show that you want to do is like, let's get a title, segmentation, yeah. how to build an audience, like all those kind of things. Like you can take advantage of those things through community radio and then all of a sudden make a podcast out of it. So it's really like, you know, like taking advantage of those situations, I think that you know through through your workshops and through our workshops, I think it's the same kind of like you know if you want to go into podcasting, a great way is to go to community radio because you know for a nominal fee of being a member, you can take advantage of those things. Cool. Yeah. Um, this is maybe a question for any any one of you. Uh, I don't agree with this, and it better not happen because I work in radio, um, not on the air. But uh, do you think that radio is going anywhere? Do you think that because of podcast popularity, I've seen speculative articles saying, you know, oh, radio's on the way out, this is the new thing. Um, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, as people who work in radio every day, do you think that there's any danger of that, or do you think that they're going to work side by side? I think radio was supposed to go away when TV came around. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah, this it conversation's was like, been happening, like, yeah. Free, yeah. every yeah. generation, something happens, like, satellite radio came, what, 15 years ago, and they're like, terrestrial radio is finished, podcast here, terrestrial radio is finished. it's not going anywhere. I think the stat was like 89% of people listen to radio in a day. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you can't not, you can't avoid the radio because it, it's on, like when you came in here today, the radio was on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like that is always going to be there. Even if it was like, even if it was Spotify or, you know, some pe- some businesses don't want to pay for Spotify or satellite radio, they're going to put on, you know, a local station. Or they'll put on their own radio station, which all the ads are for their sandwiches or whatever. Yeah, that's cool too. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's just something that I, I keep yeah. seeing, and I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with it either. I think the I radio is... I don't think it's going anywhere. Radio is like a cockroach. There's, there's been, what? <laughs> Are we Satell- all satellite, satellite radio was supposed, to, was supposed to kill yeah. us, and TV was supposed to take us down, yeah. and I think that, you know, there's a nostalgic feel about radio. Um, you know, the CRTC passed a mandate uh, 2016 right. where the emergency broadcast system is now uh, now comes through all radio stations okay. are required to have an emergency Not alert just your system. cell phone. And not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that the special thing about campus and community radio is that we are covering local art scenes, local activist scenes, music, and doing things that commercial radio stations just have never had any interest in doing or because of having to pay bills or line pockets of record executives right. or whatever, right? We are in the idea of um, devo- developing our communities, right? Okay. So, um, Adeline, you just said you think they're going to merge. How do you see that happening? Podcast and radio? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, you know, I think Jen and, and Aaron are a prime example of, of that where, you know, the free press is now taking, taking a, a look at podcasting. So, Eventually, uh, majority of, of media platforms are going to have to, they're going to look at merging that. Um, and, and like I said, I, I feel like uh, podcasting is a, is a renaissance. And because, because mainstream media is so constricted, there's like a one way of doing things, I, I, 
I really dislike news segments where they're like only three minutes, four minutes. Like, I want to get to know that person. I want to know more. Um, I, I, I feel like that's all going to start to change with things like the internet, with podcasting, with YouTube, all these, all these very revolutionary uh, platforms. There's going to, there's going to need, there's going to need to be a change. I remember when we went to, we went to this media thing. Uh, when was that? In like 2016? And uh, at the Fairmont, remember? And a lot of the a lot of the older the older head people in, in media like were so resistant to the internet. They did not even want to have the conversation about what what the internet meant for meant for media. But now, as, as since that, I've been seeing that they're sort of being forced to. <laughs> yeah, there's not really any choice. Otherwise, I mean, like, what, what what in the previous panel, you know, the discussion about what happened in newspapers and how they've you know the Focus has definitely changed a lot because of the way the internet's taking over and all that. So yeah, I think um, I think like the idea of Netflix is like TV a la carte. You can listen to what you want when you want. I think pod- podcasting is the same way. Radio, um, there'll probably be always the steady stream of radio. Like radio will be on twenty four hours a day, but you know the access to the certain parts of the radio that you want will be streamlined. Right. Um, if I can make a suggestion, I think there's a lot of people here just earlier on talking with people, um, if we could just maybe touch on um, how to make podcasting like a full-time career thing, because that was a lot of the interest. Um, I'm not saying that like well, our conversation is not going the way I think it should, you just but I think, it's just, no, I think it, a lot of the people were touching on like, how do I do this? How do I monetize this? You know, Because all four of us have, have made our livings doing this. Yeah, well, yeah. Kent maybe is not so convinced. Well, but he's making his living driving a food truck. <laughs> yeah. I went backwards. I went starting at CBC, going to community radio, and then just <laughs> now you're doing a food something truck. else. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, the, a lot of the interest was like, how how do we get to a point where uh, even like Matt outside doing the hot dog cart, he's yeah. like, he's like, fuck this nine to five stuff, man. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the dream, right? Is yeah. that you can do something that you're passionate about as, and make it into a career. Yeah, and, and I'll use Matt as an example. We were talking outside, and he was like, I wanted to get to a part where I didn't have a boss anymore. Yeah. You know, and like, even though you, like, we are either boss of something or have a boss, we're at a point now where we're comfortable in the role that we're in, like, speaking for me, I guess, um, in creating enough content to, to be self-sufficient. Um, so maybe like I'll even I'll turn the tables and moderate this part of the question right. Sam you recently left a comfortable 9 to 5 like we were talking about and jumped back into to media and, and radio and news and all this stuff like what, what led to that choice well um, <laughs> shitty people at my previous job led to that choice but, <laughs> no, I, like I said in the, in the other panel though, in the first panel the reason I got into podcasting in the first place is because I missed doing journalism, right? And I think that there's, like, even through 10 years of working in communications, like, corporate stuff, um, I always wanted to do that. And that was kind of, I think, everyone who does podcasts has a desire to, whether it's a journalistic podcast, whether it's, uh, you know, a storytelling podcast, whether, whatever it is. Knitting. Because we, we heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. A knitting yeah. podcast. You're passionate enough about the thing that you want to do it as much as you can. So, I mean... I'm working in, in radio now, not on the air, but I'm writing news. I'm back in a newsroom uh, for the first time in a decade. And that's where you need to be. It's like, it makes sense. Everything kind of clicks, right? And I think that probably that's the same for you with radio and radio and radio and radio. Like, it, it's just, 
it fits, it fits, right? Yeah, I think the, the the idea of like becoming your own boss, like even if people are, li- are here and they want to be their own boss and they want to do this for a living and they don't want to get up at 7 a.m. and drive through the winter and go sit in an office for eight hours and then find an hour in the evening to do what they want, um, like the resources are here, it's proven, it can happen, uh, especially like Sam. Like Sam and I would talk when we were organizing this thing about... Um, making this like a real deal. And even if it's like a hobby for people here, the, like the proof is in the pudding where it's, it's actu- actually possible to make this happen. And yeah. even though Kent's kind of like... Well, I mean, I would say, I mean, like, you know, uh, I have a skill set that can translate to radio, but like you, you need to like look past, you know, the, the jobs that are just like, you know, like just radio job that's going to be nine to five. Because, you know, like a lot, there's a lot of freelance producers for CBC and, and other organizations, you know, just looking at, you know, making a podcast that makes your kind of brand or value and then going from there to make other things, other media, other books, other, you know, facets that you can fit in there. Like, that's how you got to do it. Like, you got to be inventive on... You know, where can you fit in with this skill set? Dude, like, you're just kind of like, oh, I went backwards. You're driving a food truck around interviewing people. Come on, man. That's the coolest shit ever. <laughs> okay, technically, I don't drive it. Uh, my you don't col- have to do the hard part. <laughs> my colleague, Kim, in the back, she drives it because she's a farm girl and can drive these things. I'm terrible at driving vehicles that big. So, But I just, I mean, what, what you were just saying, though, about, about marketing yourself and then creating everything around it, whether it's, you know, uh, like in Adeline's case with the book, or, you know, you have the multiple podcasts and you have the wrestling background and all that. I think that's something that people only ha- uh, recently have to deal with in the way they do now. It happens a lot when I talk to bands that a lot of them are really, really passionate about making the music they make, and they're great at it, but they have no idea what to do when it comes to marketing themselves and mm-hmm. comes to presenting it the right way. And I think that that's something that probably a lot of podcasters struggle with, myself included, in just kind of, how do you get the word out about what you're doing? How do you tell the right people to hear you? And this maybe is not necessarily a radio-specific question, but I think it's something that affects anyone doing something creative. It's, you know, the selling yourself aspect of it is... is the internet makes it possible, but it also means you have to do it. <laughs> and there's no one doing it for you, especially if you're being your own boss, right? Like- I, th- I think that it comes down to two things, right? It comes down to having patience and putting in the work and trusting in your product and knowing that there are tried and true methods to make things happen, right? right? Nobody's going to get rich as a, as a podcaster in Winnipeg unknown overnight. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. Uh, Adeline talked about how she started doing things and and then one thing sort of leads to another, but it's a convergence of a whole bunch of different things yeah. that have allowed her to help build her brand. I think the other thing that you have to think about is what does success maybe mean to you, right? I've been working at a campus radio station now for... 19 years, volunteering 19, working for 17, I decided a long time ago that I was never going to get rich doing it, but my life was going to be enriched by the people that I worked with, the sort of work that I was going to do. It meant that, you know, there's conversations with my lovely wife talking about how ends are going to be met. Thankfully, she works a very nice job that allows me to be a bit of a man boy in terms of what (laughs) I do, right? At some point, I'm sure that I will grow up. But on the other hand, 
you know, going and working at, it's like when I grew up, I wanted to go work at the CBC, right? I grew up in a small town here in Manitoba. I was inundated by 92 City, Power 97, and very quickly realized I did not want to be on those radio stations. But when I heard uh, Patty Schmidt, David Wisdom on Brave New Waves, it's just like, oh, this is what I, this is what I want to do, right? While those jobs are few and far between, they're becoming farther and farther away because that sort of thing doesn't happen. Um, but I think I'm actually kind of ruined for working at somewhere like the CBC now because you read about what happens to the employees there and there's constant change. And if you want to go work there, you need to be able to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And you're constantly being shifted. So I like where I am. My expectations are what they are. I love the people that I work with. I love being able to engage with new students, new volunteers all the time. And so that helps, I guess, pay my bills internally, right? Okay. Well, that's a nice way of putting it. I like that, yeah. Pay my bills internally. <laughs> I think the idea of, like, um, the old saying, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. Uh, so just, like, quick personal history. I mentioned wrestling a couple times. I started wrestling in 2002. Uh, I was 15 years old, and I started performing, like, and traveling and, and doing what I wanted. It took, I left wrestling in 2011. I went to wrestle in Japan. And when I got back, I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I did everything I wanted to do. I wrestled all my heroes, traveled, you know, different countries, did all this cool stuff. And then, so from 2002, it's 2018 now. That's 16 years. And finally, I found my little groove in the world to excel at what I'm good at, which is bullshitting people. <laughs> um, so like I do, I do stand-up comedy every so often. I do podcasting. I do radio. I I come and hang out with you know amazing creative people like this. But it's taken me 16 years from the time I first got in front of a crowd to get here. And you know I left 2011 from wrestling high and dry, and I restarted. You know I like I wasn't a celebrity. I wasn't a big deal. But like I was good enough to do everything I wanted to do. And then when I left. I hit the restart button and I came into a world of podcasting and broadcasting in 2015 and with nothing. Like I had no resources, no direction, nothing. And like it's three years later and we're, we're putting on a festival. So to find that groove of 2002 to 2018 is a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, figuring things out, a lot of, you know, tinkering with certain things. And yeah. like Jared said, like he's been there 19 years. He's, you know, fulfilled and I think, that's, I think that's really what everybody is just looking for, is just kind of fulfillment. For sure. And I think the one thing that's awesome about uh, this, I mean, the people here, the, the people who have been on stage here, is that my experience with the local podcast community and radio community, campus radio, is that 99.9% .9 of the people are awesome. Like, they're su everyone's super helpful, everyone's super encouraging. It's, I was worried at first that it would be kind of competitive and everyone would be sort of trying to put their shows above everyone else's, but no one cares. I mean, I, if you guys have shows that, that do well, I'm super happy for you, and I'll tell everyone, check out this show, look how great it's doing, you know, and vice versa, and it's, it, it's really encouraging that, you know, even for people who have no experience doing this whatsoever, the fact that people are willing to sort of uh, co-sign you, you know, without even hearing what you're doing and say, great, that you're doing a podcast, you're doing a campus radio show, I want to hear it, I'll tell my friends to listen, and it's, it's, it's just super welcoming, so. We're all in the same leaky boat that's yeah. kind of yeah. <laughs> going around in the circles, yeah. so, you know. 
I think uh, we should probably open this up to questions, but uh, because this is our last panel, we can go questions about the radio stuff, uh, about these panelists, and just general questions about podcasting. If there's something that hasn't been answered yet, if there is a uh, previous panelist you want to talk to who's still here and wants to come up and answer some questions, that's cool too. Uh, so yeah, does anyone have any questions? Roger. Roger, boy, go ahead. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't pl <laughs> Okay, the question was, are there any workshops or events or anything like that coming up that uh, people who are interested in podcasting, people who are here, people who are on stage should get involved with? Do you, anyone know of anything coming up? I am having a podcast workshop, I forgot to plug that in earlier, uh, called Amplify Your Voice. It's a podcast uh, workshop for women. Just going through all this, I realized that we need more we need more female podcasters. So November 10th, I'm going to be doing a workshop, a workshop called Amplify Your Voice, uh, a podcast workshop for women, obviously. Um, I'm going to go start right, do a workshop right from basics. So how to develop uh, your Wix website, your WordPress, um, how to put your, your podcast onto speaker. And then on to iTunes, right down to uh, coming up with your concepts, ideas. Each woman that participates, it's $35, but each woman that participates gets a uh, photograph of themselves by Steph JL, who's a local photographer here in the city. Great. Um, and a basic local, uh, basic, lo basic logo, just a black and white logo. So I'm, 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 Really, I'm designing this for, for women that are ready to go. So that's why I developed the, the headshot piece and the, the logo. So you have your branding. You have everything. It's time to go. Cool. So stay tuned for that. November 10th, if you go on the Soul Unexpected Facebook page, uh, there's information there about the workshop. Again, that will be at United Way November 10th from 1 to 5. Hey, was that question a plant? I like, think it might have been that so it she was, could do that. It was. Thank you, Roger, Nicely for that done, planned Roger. question. That's well marketing 101 right yeah. there, right? That guy. <laughs> Go talk to that guy after the show, yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else? I mean, is UMFM doing You mentioned there's a podcast launching, right? We, yeah, okay. So first and foremost, uh, we are launching a uh, 12 to 13 part series. It's called Mino Gundogan, uh, which means the good voice in Anishinaabe. Um, it's launching October 10th. Uh, we partnered with uh, the Office of Indigenous Achievement, the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation. Um, fantastic producers, Alyssa Blackwolf-Kixon and Sasha Mark have done some really, really great work. Uh, like I said, 12 to 13 episodes. Um, we're launching it on the 10th. Uh, we are also in the process of changing over our website, which is launching tomorrow brand cool. new website so it doesn't quite have a home on the site but it'll be available through uh through itunes through stitcher through umfm.com in terms of training of the radio station we are constantly taking in new volunteers uh we're room 310 third floor uh, university center at the university of manitoba and training classes are sort of ongoing based on what you're interested in looking at cool anybody else have any events coming up do we have any other questions? Keep in mind, I can barely see. Uh, this is a hand right there. What's the question? My question is uh, for you guys. Do you guys have any tips for advice for a podcaster who wants to be an interviewer? The question was, does anyone here have any tips or advice for a podcaster who also wants to be an interviewer? 
And I mean, we've all done interview podcasts, so that's yeah. going to be a good, a good group of people to talk about that. Watch so, really good interviews. Sorry. No, yeah. that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good inter- interviews. Yeah. Like Oprah. Oprah's an amazing interviewer. Find, find people who you enjoy watching do interviews. Um, one of the things that Devin mentioned uh, during the, the first session today was that he used to script all his questions. He'd have the piece of paper there, right? Um, what we try and impart on our show hosts, volunteers, people who want to do interviews is, you know what, if that makes you feel comfortable the first couple of times, do that. But I find like the best interviews are conversations. They're better held as conversations. You have that list of questions there that you can refer to. If you, if you have that uncomfortable silence, you, get the, you hit the pause. But you'll find that your guest is going to be more engaged and give you better answers when it's a one-on-one conversation, right? And do research. The other thing with me, uh, if I'm interviewing somebody, the first thing I always ask before we start rolling is, are there any questions you don't want me to ask? Anything you don't want to talk about? Especially somebody who's Mm -hmm. doing a bunch of different things because they're getting the same car wash answer and response on every interview that they do. And it goes a long way towards developing a rapport if they know that you actually care about what you're about to talk about. I think another thing with the uh, having a list of questions is I've often listened, listened to podcasts where, you know, there'll be a guest that I'm super fascinated to hear about, and you can tell when, as a listener that the person's reading off their list of questions, and the guest will say something super fascinating, and you're waiting for a follow-up, and then there's a pause, and then he switches to a completely different topic. Yeah. And that, it just takes you out as a listener, because it's not so much a conversation as just... Like a it's questionnaire, by yeah. yeah. Interview it's like a by numbers, right? And th- that's, uh, I mean, if that's how you want to do it to get started on interviewing, that's that, like Jared was saying, that's fine. But yeah, the more natural the conversation sounds, the more I think you'll be into it, and the more the listeners will be into it too. Mm-hmm. Um, for my own show, I, uh, I this is going to sound crazy, but I, I drive to my guests every week. I meet them in their jam spaces or their apartments or homes or where, wherever, and I do the interview to myself in the car out loud on the way to the interview. So if I have, I, I, from the beginning onwards, and it, I'm sure I look like a lunatic to anyone driving by, but I'm talking the whole, through the whole thing. And uh, so beforehand, I'll have done all my research on the guests, you know, listen to all their music uh, that I can find, you know, found out what they have coming up, things like that. But yeah, I literally go over the conversation either in my head or usually out loud so I know what I'm going to ask. And then when I get in there, I've already gone over like maybe, you know, a dozen questions that I want to know about. And then wherever the conversation goes from there, I can put any one of those in after the fact, right? So. I, on the other hand, have completely opposite. I have a very vague understanding of the person that I'm going to interview. Like, if I were to interview Sam, I would say... Well, you did. Yeah, I, inter- I did interview you, but <laughs> I would say, Sam hosts Switch Police Radio. He's been doing it for six years. That's it. Because then I learn about you together right. with the person that's listening. Um, and as far as the interview goes, I, I've done a billion interviews. I've never scripted one. I listen to each answer, I pick something out of the answer, and I follow up with that, and it leads to a chain of questions. For sure. yeah. And then by an hour, it's like, oh, we've learned so much. And then again, you might not have learned anything, because <laughs> I might be an idiot and make jokes the whole time, like I'm doing. But that can end up with some interesting conversation anyway, right? right. You could pull yeah. something out of a, of a joke that maybe the person wouldn't say in like kind of the standard interview mm-hmm. they've done 20 of, right? So it's, it, they all have their merits, I think. Yeah. Uh, the way we interview at the Oral History Center is a lot different than my broadcasting experience. I had to unlearn a lot of stuff. Um, they do most of the talking. 
you know, and when you're faced with questions like, tell me your life story, <laughs> uh, you can get a barrage of different answers. My, my advice to do any kind of interviewing is do your research and find things that are interesting to you because you can hear the difference between someone who's asking questions that are generally interested in what that person has to say than someone, again, doing a list of questions. For sure. That already want a certain type of answer and just go with that person. Um, yeah, and I can talk all about, again, you know, building that trust and getting their consent and making sure that the interview goes well. Um, like, that's also a really important facet. Like, don't just think of, you know, interviewing somebody because you want to do a show on a certain topic. Like, they're part of that show and they're part of that process and you need to invite them in and make sure that they're comfortable and they're proud of being part of that thing. So yeah. I think you could also let them know, too, if you're uncomfortable doing an interview or you're new at it, you can just say, look, I, don't, I haven't done a lot of these. I'm very nervous meeting you. I'm very excited to meet you. Like, hopefully everything goes okay. Like, give them a heads up, yeah. you know? And then they'll be a little more relaxed because they don't know what to expect if they're just do, invited on a podcast. Do a preamble. You don't have to yeah. just jump right into it. You'll be like, this is how it goes. This is the process. This is exactly what we, we're, we're doing today. I'll answer any of your questions and then do it, you know? Yeah. Um, you can frame it as, hey, we're testing my equipment. We're checking levels. We're doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. You don't want to keep them in the dark, yeah. I mean, like, that's, that's the best thing to do. Like, I've done uh, interviews again. Like, I spent half an hour just chatting with a the person, then we do the interview, um, just explaining the entire process. And once you get all those questions out of the way, then, like, it's a great interview. Yeah. I've always found that as a process. We have to wrap this up pretty soon. Um, we have time for one more question. And uh, before we get into that, I'm sure everyone here and everyone who's been on the panels uh, earlier is open to talking to anyone who has questions after the fact. So, I mean, you know, the people will be milling around a bit uh, here before we, we get kicked out. So um, Yeah, boy. Yeah, so please, you know, feel free to come up to any of us and we can hopefully help you with uh, whatever you need. But if is there anyone has one more question. Last we... question. I can't tell if there's any hands. So it's... Uh, oh, Yes. Yes. For for people who may not have heard that, uh, it's the question was about growing a listener base potentially globally, rather than just locally, because podcasts have the ability to be heard by anyone. So, yeah. did I I I I'm definitely on board with that. That's one of the one of the things I try to do. Uh, so with that, I, I interview people from from across the world. Really, uh, I've had guests on who were act, who are activists in, in the states. I've had uh, you know Grammy nominee award uh, you know Grammy nominee R and B singers on my on my podcast, and that you, a lot of them usually are done by Skype, and that's another way that you can you can interview people who aren't in Winnipeg and who are abroad and also attract their, their, uh, their listeners or whatever it is that they do and just their demographic, people in their demographic. I think, oh, did you have a... No? That was it? That was it? That was, that was the statement? <laughs> no, I was going to go. You go ahead. No, I was going to wrap it up, but if you have something oh. to actually say about that point, then uh, um, let's do it. No. No? Okay, no, well, one thing I did... No, no, for real. Like, uh, I, I think maybe... Maybe I don't know what to do now because maybe, maybe it's just my style, maybe my personality, but like I always tell people like um, we were talking earlier about like the competition thing and like I get the marketing and I get but that and there are people who are amazing at all that shit. But like I 
Mage is my personality. I don't give a shit if anybody listens. I really don't. Right. But You've at the said same that before in your own yeah, show, too. Yeah. Yes, I really don't care if anybody listens. But at the same time, that attitude maybe is something that people really enjoy. And they're all just like, dude, this guy's cool. And I just want to listen to him. So in, I've, I, I released one episode where it was just like me and my cousin. And there were people listening in Canada, the U.S., and Israel, and Australia, and New Zealand, and Singapore, and all this. I don't know how they found it. And I don't know how they found me and my cousin who's sitting right there. <laughs> But they found us and they were listening. And sometimes it's just one person tweeting out, retweeting a link. You know what I mean? Or or sharing it on a Facebook page, whatever it is. And before before I go on, I just want to uh, say that it was Joe's 30th birthday yesterday. So happy, happy birthday. birthday, Joe. Happy it was his 30th birthday three years ago. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I think like the idea of just, you know, the simple retweet, the simple uh, like on a Facebook page can... can it can be you, huge depending it, who likes it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. depending on who it is. If if this person has ten thousand followers and they like it, and ten thousand people see that, yeah, that could sure. be huge. Yeah. Never assume your audience, and we do that also, like at the radio station CKW. Like I, I had I have fans of Amateur Hour from Mexico and from Venezuela. That's amazing. From, like just people, just like we'll do like, hey, I heard your show through this means some backward weird way, and yeah. they'll you know. So don't always assume that you're you know. Um, you're just in this one perimeter area because <laughs> the sky's a limit for how you you can interact with the listenership. When it's available to anyone, anyone who has a, a, a computer, phone, whatever, right? So, yeah, yeah uh, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, so just before we go, I mean, we've in between these sessions have had some pretty good feedback from people who uh, are either doing their own podcasts or wanting to do their own podcasts, and uh, you know, we've heard some pretty interesting stuff about some shows we didn't know existed, which is kind of the idea of this too, is just to meet. Who's out there? Who's doing podcasts? What are they doing podcasts about? And uh, I think that we're, we're hoping to do this again next year. I mean, I think the response has been pretty good. I think we're hoping to do like smaller things throughout the year. There's Roger there hosts the Indigenous Filmmaker Collective, which is like almost a monthly meeting of filmmakers that they get together and they just hang out and trade ideas and, yeah. and swap stories and recruit each other to, to you know get involved in filmmaking. And I really want I foresee that this. Like this amazing crowd of like the first time we just put something together and a whole bunch of podcasters came out. Yeah. I think we would like to do this more often. Maybe not at this scale and this venue, but even if ten of us met up at you know uh, McDonald's one yeah. afternoon, there once a go. month. Yeah, that's it's like it's idea. like uh, the monthly yeah. draw mob. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know, exactly. Yeah. Folks who get so this artists is not. Who get together and just talk shop yeah this is not the end you don't have to wait till next year no. again no. and what i was gonna say too is like we are on social media there's a, a manitoba podcast festival facebook twitter instagram mbpodfest at gmail.com there's all kinds of ways to get hold of us and like again this is our first time doing this so we'd like to hear what you guys thought of it uh you know is there something we could do more of is are there podcasts that you'd like to see up at a future event james um, you got a question Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for yeah, coming, no, thank man. You. Thank you, everybody, thank you. for coming. Thanks for coming. Especially the panelists. These people all have careers and wonderful lives, and they dedicated a few hours to come and hang out with all of us as uh, lowly podcasters like me. But no, really, seriously, thank all of you for coming, and thanks to the moderators, the panelists, uh, whoever came, whoever liked the Facebook page, whoever didn't come and just thought about it. Yeah. And whoever's downloading right now, listening, because these are all being released as podcasts. And please keep in touch and let us know what we can do if you have any ideas for a future event or you just want to you know, throw some questions at us. I'm sure any of us will be happy to do our best to answer. Yeah, so uh, in closing, thank you for attending the Manitoba Podcast Festival. Uh, give it up for Roger. 
who put a lot of this together. Sam, who got this whole venue for us and put like all this together. And thanks to me for, I bought the markers that all your things are on. Um, I guess that's it. That's it, yep. Thanks, thanks again, everybody. See you next year. No, we'll see you in between the year. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>